of Colossians. Colossians. I've been listening to Bill Winston the last couple of weeks, and and he he does he pronounces words really really well, and and uh, and so he says Colossians. Amen. So uh, turn with me to Colossians. Praise God. Um, and uh, he's he's from Alabama, by the way. So uh, Tuskegee. So. Uh, if, if a brother from Tuskegee can say it right, a brother from Hueytown can say it right. Amen? All right. But so much for that. I'll probably go right back to the old way. So anyway, Colossians, Colossians chapter 3 and verse number 16. Amen. I'll give you a minute to find it. Thank you again for being here tonight. Um, it says this, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. We'll read it again. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. First of all, that word let might make more sense to you if you translated it allow and the idea of course is that you are the gatekeeper here if the word of God is going to dwell in you richly you're going to have to let it dwell in you richly there's nothing anybody can do um, you know to get the word of God to dwell richly in someone who does not want that word of God to dwell in them amen um, but thank God if if we're willing um, to uh, humble ourselves and receive His Word with meekness and, and receive His Word, then it will what dwell. The next word I want to point out to you is in you. Dwell in you. Okay? And He modifies that or clarifies that with dwelling you richly. Dwelling you richly. Richly as opposed to dwelling in you sparingly. Um, or dwelling in you, uh, you know, in, in limited uh, form. So he's talking about the Word of God dwelling in you. Now, I know some of you weren't here last week, but we said that the way the Word of God dwells in you is, uh, again, the Bible says, keep it in front of your eyes. Keep it coming into your ears. Incline your ear to it. Um, get it in your mouth and, and say it. Um, and ultimately, meditate upon it. Um, the mind is a part of the heart. Um, the part that the Bible refers to um, in you as your heart is the combination of your spirit and your soul. And your soul is a part of you that thinks and feels and chooses. So there's more to the Word of God being in you than it just being in your mind. But, of course, it passes from outside of us into us through the eye gate, through the ear gate, and, and even through the mouth. And, and you say, well, chew it up and swallow it. Well, that's what he's going to go on to say here. Teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. When he says, let the word of Christ dwell in you, that word you strategically can be you as an individual and you like speaking of us as a group, right? So when we share the word of God, speak the word of God, sing the word of God, um, this is... A, a form of it uh, dwelling in us. Am I the only one, but I don't think so. You can hear a word in a song and, or a phrase in a song and, and sing that and it speak to you. 
That, that song we sang a moment ago, um, He Carries My Healing in His Hands. Man, that, that paints a word picture for me. Amen. Um, so again, the, the singing and the teaching and the sharing is ways that um, encouraging one another is ways that we allow the Word of God to dwell in us richly, both as individuals and um, collectively. Now, turn with me to Matthew chapter 9 and verse 21. I want to build on this some more tonight. And I want to show you a case study of someone who um, let the Word of God or the truth of God um, the wisdom of God dwell in her, and it uh, made a tremendous difference, okay, in her life. Now, th- this account is um, recorded in three different Gospels. And I'm going to read the account from the ninth chapter of Matthew, verse 18. While he... Jesus being he spoke these things to them. Behold, a ruler came and worshipped him, saying, My daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her and she will live. So Jesus arose and followed him, and so did his disciples. Now, if you read Mark's version of this, Luke's version of this, there are some slight differences, amen? And that just, of course, has to do with the individual perspective Um, that each of these um, had in in their recollection and recording of these things. Some people say, well, that means it's not true. Well, you ask any detective um, if if four different eyewitnesses are all saying verbatim the same thing, um, that detective's going to cry foul. He's going, man, these folks got together and rehearsed this, right? Um, In other words, it's anticipated that if four different people are going to give their version of events, they're going to tell it slightly different from the other three. And we see that, of course, in the Scriptures. So to me, what some people say uh, proves that the Bible is not real. Um, I look at it a different way and just all the more, uh, I believe that it adds to its authenticity. All right. Now, verse 20, and suddenly a woman who had a flow of blood for twelve years, came from behind and touched the hem of his garment. For she said to herself, If only I may touch his garment, I shall be made well. But Jesus turned around, and when he saw her, he said, Be of good cheer, daughter, your faith has made you well. And the woman was made well from that hour. When Jesus came into the ruler's house and saw the flute players and the noisy crowd wailing, he said to them, Make room, for the girl is not dead but sleeping. And they ridiculed him, but when the crowd was put outside, he went in and took her by the hand, and the girl arose. And the report of this went out into all that land. I want us to talk this evening as we begin about this woman who had this flow or this issue of blood. She was basically bleeding for 12 years. And other gospel writers record a little more of her background, that she had suffered many things at the hands of the physicians. Um, they performed surgery in these days. Um, they, they, they did all kinds of, in other words, trying to help people, but some of the treatments uh, would kill people faster than uh, the, the issue or the disease that they had. And not only had she suffered many things from the doctors, 
The Bible says that she had spent every penny she had trying to get well, um, and nothing had helped her. Now, there are other things about this. For instance, when she touched the hem of his garment, one of the gospel writers records that Jesus asked the question, who touched me? And, of course, you know, she admitted that it was her. And yet Jesus wanted to point out about her to us tonight that it was her faith that made her well. Now, you say, well, Pastor Mark, obviously virtue, healing power left Jesus' body and went into hers. So we could certainly say that Jesus healed her. But remember, Jesus is the one who said, your faith made you well. Um, she didn't say it. The disciples weren't the ones saying it. Jesus is the one who made that statement. And again, I believe he made it because he wanted to communicate to us that it was her faith that connected with his power. We have no record of Jesus going to knock on this woman's door and say, hey, I heard you're sick. You know, you've got a reputation around here, somebody being sick for a long time. Um, would you mind if I healed you? None of that. Jesus was on his way to Jairus' house to heal his, raise his 12-year-old daughter from the dead. It was this woman who took it upon herself, I want you to notice this, the initiative, and, and went and, and touched the hem of his garment and made that connection by faith and received that healing. So among other things tonight, I want you to notice how faith makes a connection with the unseen realm of the Spirit. Faith is how, for instance, if you're born again tonight, um, is how you connected with salvation to receive salvation and be born again. And it begins there, but everything else in the Christian life is received through that same faith connection. Now, we said to let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. And we've been talking about this lost art of meditation. And meditation should not be thought of as some form of Eastern religion, but as a part of what God not only instructed us to do, but He instructed you and me to meditate His Word because of the way He created us to function. And meditating the Word of God is, is, is certainly involves the Word of God in your mind and you thinking about the Word, you, you, um, you know, pondering, considering, acknowledging the Word of God inwardly, mentally. But true biblical meditation takes it a step beyond that. True biblical meditation is for you to speak the Word of God, mutter the Word of God to yourself. Okay? So again, Eastern religions may chant, and, and you know, they've got variations and versions of this. All they did was steal something that is of God and God created, and they hijacked it and tried to claim it as their own. So don't, please don't be nervous about this idea of, of meditation. Don't be, this, you know, don't be nervous about this idea of what true meditation really is. And that would be to mutter the Word of God, um, either audibly or just under your breath. Sometimes if I have to, I just, in my mind, 
Um, I will, uh, you know, speak the Word of God over and over inwardly in my mind. What, last Wednesday night's message was entitled An Uncommon Commitment to the Word. And in all the things that we said last week, we were trying to give you, and we're going to build on that some more tonight, but we're trying to give you some practical, doable things. Um, I think so many times we, we're faithful to church. I know I've been guilty of this, you know, hear the Word, listen to the Word, read the Word. But remember, at some point, it has to translate into doing the Word. It, it has to, if, if all that we learn never translates into all that we do, then we're going to miss the, the value and the, and, and the true power of God uh, to change and transform not just our lives, but circumstances and situations in our lives. Somebody say amen to that. That's really important there. So one of the practical things that we can do to, to build our faith and to develop genuine faith within us, because Romans 10 says faith by hearing, hearing by the Word of God, is when we mutter the Word of God to ourselves. And this lady in Matthew 9, this woman with the issue of blood, is a classic example of that. Notice what it says in verse 21. Matthew chapter 9, verse 21. I'll put it up on the screen. For she said within herself, for she said within herself, if I may but touch his garment, I shall be whole. Now, the verb tense in the original language communicates that this was something she did not just once or twice, but that she said within herself multiple times, or she said within herself continually, if I may but touch His garment, I shall be whole. As a matter of fact, let me put the amplified version of this same passage. It reads, For she kept saying to herself, If I only touch His garment, I shall be restored to health. For she kept saying to herself, it wasn't just something she said once. It was something that she said to herself continually. It was something that she said to herself over and over and over again. What was she doing? She was feeding her faith. She was, is it true? Obviously it's true. She touched the hem of His garment and she was made well. I believe, the Bible doesn't say this specifically, but I believe that she was basing this upon uh, what the prophet Malachi said of the Messiah, that there would be healing in His wings. And, and the wings were speaking of the borders or the tassels on His garments. So the Word of God said that there would be healing in the wings of the Messiah. She believed He was the Messiah and that there would be healing in His wings. And so do you understand now how she's taken a verse? No, she didn't just randomly come up with, she didn't just randomly come up with, well, if I touch His garment, you know, um, stand on my left foot, clap three times and face north. No, that, are you following what I'm saying? That, 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 that's not what was going on here. 
This was something based upon, I believe, also what she had heard about him already. That, that he had done other miracles and had healed other people. And so notice now that she took healing in his wings and broke it down to something very simple. If I touch the hem of his garment, the wings of his garment, I'll be made whole because there's healing in his wings. So she said this within herself continually. We, we said a few weeks back that it's, it's faith by hearing, hearing by the Word of God, but it's, it's by the rhema, it's by the anointed Word of God. It's, it's not just you know some uh, uh, recording of the Word of God playing over and over and over again in the background while you surf the internet or you know play on video game or get on Facebook. You understand what I'm saying? It's hearing the anointed, inspired Word of God. So again, this is why I believe that, that the healing in his wings and that the healing was there and that she believed he was the Messiah. And so she said this within herself continually and it was, it was building um, faith and it was building um, confidence uh, within herself. Now, I don't have this right here in my notes and I'm not going to fish it out, but the Holy Spirit's prompted me now a third time and so I feel like I need to say this. <clears throat> Jesus instructed us in Matthew the 6th chapter on exactly how it is that we either receive a thought or we reject a thought. And He said it this way, He said, Take no thought by saying... So we see that the enemy brings thoughts into our minds because he's trying, as the father of lies, to create something called conception. So when we think in terms of conception and pregnancy, but is it not interesting that we use that same word conception or conceive in, in the realm of thought and thinking as well? So when we are talking about perceiving or conceiving a thought, we're talking about something that we initially did not understand or did not comprehend or, or even, you know, didn't make any sense, whatever, you know, whatever. But now we're able to conceive it. We've, that means we've taken this thought and, and it's become our own. It's, it's, it's something that we've internalized. It's something that we've personalized. So Jesus in the context of Matthew 6 is worry and worrisome, troubling thoughts that, that, would, that would torment us. And he says, don't take those thoughts that come, don't receive them, don't conceive of those things by saying. So thoughts become conception when not just by thinking those thoughts, but by saying those thoughts. So if he's saying, don't take a thought from the enemy that's troubling by saying that thought, could we not use that same principle and take God's thoughts and have those thoughts conceived within us, conception within us, by taking his thoughts and saying them out of our mouths? Amen. Are you with me tonight? This is really, really important. Because this means there's something we can do about the situations that we face. Rather than just think that we're, you know, the devil's whipping boy and we just got to roll over and take it or whatever. No, no, no. There's, there's something we can do to fight the good fight of faith to fight back. 
So this, this lady, notice, she took a thought by saying. She took a thought that, wow, you know, I, I, I'm thinking that if I touch the hem of his garment. Now, there's other factors in all of this. Because she was bleeding under the law, she was unclean. She legally was not supposed to touch him nor was he supposed to touch her as far as him being a priest or, or, or what have you. As a matter of fact, we see under that old system, that law system, when somebody that was declared unclean touched someone who was clean, they became defiled. So again, we can only... Um, you know, imagine some of these things, but I don't think we're stretching it to fit here that, that, that she had this thought that I am unclean and I could defile him by touching him, so rather than getting him to lay his hands on me, I'm not going to touch his physical person, I'm just going to touch the hem of his garment, it's dragging in the dirt anyway, so there's not a whole lot that I could do to really dirty that up, but if I could just get the hem of his garment... I'll be made whole. So she took that thought by saying it. And what we do know from the Word of God, Matthew 9 and 21, is that she said it within herself. And she said it within herself continually. I believe that she said it within herself continually until it became so big on the inside of her that she couldn't see it any other way. Because again, faith by hearing, hearing by the Word of God, she, she's feeding something inside of her by saying that inside of herself over and over again that's, that's growing and becoming stronger. Feeding her faith with truth every time she said it within herself. She was building her faith. Now I'm going to give you a new phrase. Are you ready? She was building her faith and growing an internal image of health and wholeness in her heart. She was growing, feeding an internal image of health and wholeness in her heart. Don't raise your hand because we've been set free from it, but I guarantee you more than one of us in this room have used our imaginations in the past to imagine, to imagine a negative outcome. To imagine some, uh, you know, negative, bad, uh, you know, imagine that you, know, you lose your job, imagine that you're going to get sick, imagine that um, something's going to happen to some member of your family, or what have you. That's the enemy's job to try, and that's how he works to try to hijack our imaginations. What is worry if it's not imagining negative outcomes? What is worry if it's not picturing in our mind some uh, car accident, some diagnosis, some loss of money, or, or, or what have you? Things not working out as we hoped? Is that, is that not an internal image trying to, to, to be created and, and developed and fed and, and, and growing within us. 
You might as well accept it. It's not ever going to be any different than this. You might as well learn to live with this like this is. You, you might as well, that, in other words, the devil's trying to build within you an image of it never changing. Man, I just saw myself just like, just, just popping this pulpit as loud as I could slam it. I don't know why. Amen. Come on now, am I right about this? But now all of a sudden we talk about deliberately, purposefully, intentionally taking the truth and meditating on the truth. What is worry if it's not meditating on the wrong things? You think about it long enough, you'll start saying it to yourself. Let's go back to it now. Meditation is of God because of the way He created us. He created us in such a way as to what we think about, we conceive. What we continue to think about in water, it grows and develops on the inside of us. Jesus didn't say the devil was a liar. He said he's the father of lies. Now some people say, yeah, but that just means he was the, the original liar. That's true. He, he, lying originated with him. But that's not all Jesus was saying there. I believe what he's saying is that he's trying to impregnate you with lies. So don't take no thought by saying. Don't agree with him. Remember, we walk by faith, not by sight. Walking by faith is when you align your thoughts, your words, and your actions with what God has said. Walking by sight is when you align your thoughts, words, and actions with the way things look, seem, and feel. So again, she was building her faith and growing an internal image of health and wholeness in her heart. The Holy Spirit led me to this some years ago. I'll be facing challenges and difficulties and I'm, I'm, I'm fighting this good fight of faith because the battlefield is in the mind and, and I, everything will be you know, fine and dandy till I try to go to sleep at night, lay down, get quiet, everything get quiet, everything get still. And it's like everything I was trying to keep pushed back when I would try to relax and go to sleep, it'd flood in on me. What are you going to do about this? How are you going to pay that? What, what if this happens? Um, what, blah, on and on, right? Just, and so I'm thinking, yeah, I can't just lay here and just let the devil do me like this. These aren't God thoughts. These aren't righteous thoughts. These thoughts do not line up with, with my covenant with what God has said. So I, instead of taking those thoughts, I would fill my mind. I would just lay there. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Greater is he that's in me. I would, say it in, I would say it within myself. And I would say it within myself because, again, can't think two thoughts at the same time. Somebody should say, thank you, Father, for that, right? So as long as I deliberately, intentionally, purposefully filled my mind with the truth of God's word, it, it again kept that push back. I would go to sleep. But again, the Holy Spirit was showing me this was more than just about me trying to get to sleep. Now all of a sudden, it's like it's, it's arousing and awakening and strengthening and growing faith within me. So part of why I am telling you what I'm telling you about this woman that may not necessarily be specifically stated in the scripture is because it's something I've experienced personally in my own life and continue to practice 
every day of my life. One last passage. Well, two. Let, let me... Are you good? Got a few more minutes? I know it's been a long day for a lot of us. Amen. Let's, let's, um, let's go to Hebrews 11 and 19, and I'll just put the one on the screen from the Old Testament. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 19. Now, Abraham, the Bible says, is the father of all who believe that we're to follow in his footsteps of faith. His example of faith is so complete and is so perfect that it's never been improved upon. And even with us living in a new and better covenant, his example of faith is the one that we're to follow um, even to this day. And Hebrews 11 and 19 is talking about, let's, let's go to verse 17 and we'll make a run at it. It says, By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who res had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, In Isaac your seed shall be called. Concluding that God was able to raise him up from the dead. And I'm, I'm going to... I put the King James Version on the screen. Let me finish in the New King James Version, then we'll come back to the King James. Um, Even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. Okay? The King James Version says, accounting that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. He received him in a figure. So what's going on here? I want to explain that tested part there. It's not what you think it means. God and Abraham are in covenant together, and as covenant brothers, whatever one party requested of the other, they would be obligated to reciprocate in the future. So when God asked his covenant brother to offer his only son, God was obligating himself to one day offer his. And so there's a lot going on here that, amen, maybe if the Lord leads, we'll get to it next week. But the thing I'm wanting you to see is that before Abraham ever put wood on Isaac's back and walked up to that mountain to sacrifice him, he had already received Isaac raised from the dead in a figurative sense. I like the King James Version better here, in a figure. What does that mean? It means he had already seen it play out in his heart by faith. He had already become so strong in faith that he had this inward image using his imagination, an inspired imagination by faith. He had built within himself an image of God raising Isaac from the dead. This is why he said uh, to the men 
who uh, were with them that day in Genesis 22 and 5. Let me put it up on the screen. And Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship. And we, not I, we will come back to you. I believe what this woman with the issue of blood tapped into was the same thing that, that Abraham, the father of faith, was, was, was taught by, uh, by God. And that was how to take what God had promised to him and meditate on that promise, give glory to God with that promise, to, to, to lay hold of that promise and, and, and that promise not depart out of his mouth, keeping it in the midst of his heart, muttering it to himself over and over and over again to the point that it became an image on the inside of him that was so strong and so powerful. Have you ever used this expression, couldn't see it any other way? Couldn't see it any other way? See, that's what it means to be fully convinced. If you're fully convinced, then this idea that maybe it will, maybe it won't, but what if, there's no room for but what if in a fully convinced heart. That's why Abraham was not shaken in his boots when he went to do this. In the same way that David, when he went to face Goliath, he was not shaking in his boots trying to find an ounce of courage somewhere to tip the, 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 the scales of bravery in his favor so he could somehow quit shaking long enough to aim a slingshot. He said, this is a piece of cake. That's the New Wins International Translation. He said, they're bread to us in one place, right? They're bread to us. This is a piece of cake. Why is that? It's an internal image built in him that now he's about to give birth to. He conceived it, and now he's going to deliver by faith what had been growing on the inside of him. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close it up right here. Let, let me... I've been trying to give you some things to work on. Have y'all noticed that? Just some things to do. Some, amen, these aren't just things I read in the book and, and thought it might be good to suggest. These are things that, that I've been applying in my own life now, some of these things for many years, uh, with, with great, great benefit. And, um, and, I, and I want you to experience that same benefit. Why do you think the devil wants us to say things like, I can't get anything right. Nothing ever works out for me. I'm just an idiot. Are you following what I'm saying? Why, why do you think the devil wants us saying those kinds of things, let alone think them? It's because he's trying to build the image of an idiot inside of you. He's trying to build the image of a loser inside of you. He's trying to build an inner image inside of you of someone who can't ever get anything right. The image of someone who 
never has anything work out for them. What are you saying within yourself continually? You want to get down to the nuts and bolts, to the brass tacks where the rubber meets the road? I'm telling you, right there, what are you saying within yourself continually? Now, you may say nothing. Well, that's a problem in and of itself then. You should be saying something, right? But if you think nothing, you, you, the devil's got you deceived. There's something. There's something. Amen. My first prayer is that the Holy Spirit would, would make you aware of what you say within yourself continually. Good or bad. I mean, if it's, if it's something powerful, then Amen but specifically that He would reveal to you things that repetitive types of automatic thoughts based upon false beliefs. Okay? But of course, the next and most important thing is let's, let's start saying some right things within ourselves continually can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. I have no problem if you've got a list of 50, but let me, let me please, and if I'm in, in, injecting too much of my personal experience with this into this, then you forgive me because not everybody's identical. I understand that. What I would recommend is rather than a list of 50, is make it a list of one to start with. A list of one to start with. Notice this lady didn't say 50 things within herself continually. She said one simple statement. She wasn't even saying the whole verse. She could have said, um, when the Messiah comes, he will rise with healing in his wings. When the Messiah comes, he'll rise with healing in his wings. When the Messiah comes, he'll rise with healing in his wings. I'm not, I'm not saying that would necessarily have been a bad thing. But notice how she personalized it. If I touch the hem of his garment, I'll be made whole. Based on what? He's the Messiah, and he has healing in the wings of his garments. So notice for her, it, it came down to just that one statement. If I touch the hem of his garments, I'll be made whole. If I touch the hem of his garments, I'll be made whole. I believe at night when she was so weak from bleeding and, and, and her body was, was hurting all over because of, of, of how all that was affecting every system, in her body, immune system weakened by that and, and the things that she suffered. I believe that, that, that pain and, 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 and what was a terminal illness, so to speak, chronic at least, if not terminal, and the fear of that and the, and the, and the regret of, of all that, I believe she fought that off. She fought those thoughts off. Just give up, just quit. You're broke anyway. You've done wasted so much of your life. All those thoughts right coming in. No, no, no. She just kept saying, no, no. If I touch the hem of his garment, I'll, I'll be all right. If I touch the hem of his garment, this is what I've been waiting on right here. If I See, she said it over and over and over and over again. I believe the more she said it, that symptoms in her body started to change for the better. 
which inspired her to say it more, until the point came when she went and she actually followed through. See, now this is faith without a corresponding action is dead. Faith is incomplete without the action, without the follow through. So there came a day when she couldn't see it any other way. Wasn't something she was going to try. Wasn't even something, I'm not saying she didn't want to do it. I believe she did. But at this point, I believe it had gone well beyond something she was going to try or something she wanted to do. I believe it was so strong in her, it was something she had to do. She had to do it. Amen. You ever had something like that grow inside of you to the point that it ain't just, it, I, it's not that I'm, oh, I got to do this. No, it's like, man, I got to do this. Amen. Amen. Stand with me tonight. Praise God. Father, I just pray over all the men and women, Lord, that are standing in this room tonight, those that are listening, the internet or through recording, Father. I pray, Lord, that you would help each one of us connect what's next in our lives, in our growth from faith to faith, with some simple statement, some simple phrase that we begin to say over and over and over within ourselves. Letting your word dwell in us richly. Father, that we would begin to experience that faith being awakened, that faith growing, that faith being fed, that faith becoming stronger. Father, where our, our perspective begins to be altered, where we go from thinking it's hopeless and impossible to hope starting to spring up and, and our attitudes begin to change and, and and we begin to see a shift in, in the way we view things and to the point, Father, that it, it grows to where we can't see it any other way. That's faith, Father. It's genuine faith. Fully convinced. That's the kind of faith, Father, that when it's released, when it's acted upon, victorious miraculous results are realized in the blink of an eye. Teach us more about it, Holy Spirit. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Shake somebody's hand, hug somebody's neck. Love somebody in Jesus.